Hello and welcome to the Evil Lawyer's Guide to Life. I am the Evil Lawyer and you are not. Today's topic for discussion is something I'm going to tell you later. Everything you hear on this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. If you do any of this stuff, you're a dumbass and you'll probably go to prison forever. You can find us on Facebook at Evil Lawyer's Guide, on the web at www.evillawyersguide.com, and on Twitter at Evil Law Guide. Most of the time I'm on Facebook. Um, I completely ignore my Twitter account, and I pay a lot of attention to your emails. And the emails I've been getting a lot lately are, Can you teach me how to represent myself? No, I can't. But since I've been getting a lot of emails about it, and I try to give you people what you want, because uh, I love you, I'm going to talk about some of the perils and benefits of representing yourself. There's an old saying that everyone has heard, a fellow that represents himself has a fool for a client. I would venture to say he also has a fool for a lawyer. Listen, most attorneys don't represent themselves. We have attorneys. I'm not saying if it's not something small like an eviction or a nuisance lawsuit or maybe even a ticket, I wouldn't represent myself. Because, you know, in most cases I probably would. But anything bigger than that, I'm going to go to my lawyer or one of my other lawyers. Or, you know, we kind of all know each other. You know, not all. In, in Texas, there's like 57,000 attorneys, so we don't literally all know each other, but you see where I'm going. I know a lot of lawyers, so it's not a big problem for me to find a retired judge or somebody like that to represent me if I get involved in something really sticky. I almost spilled my coffee. We'll take that out in post, or maybe we won't, screw it. It's early in the morning on Monday, and um, I ain't awake yet, but I am sober. And the sobering statistic is that most people that represent themselves get clobbered, unless the other side is also representing themselves. So, you know, some rules, remember, entertainment purposes only, so these really aren't rules. Look, if you need a lawyer, hire a lawyer. If you can't find one, 844-EVIL-LAW. You might even get me. But uh, we'll do our best to send you to somebody who's good if we don't want your case. If you're going up against, and I don't care what kind of a case it is, if you're going up against an attorney on the other side, you need to get yourself a lawyer. You, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to a gunfight with a knife level of stupidity. It's stepping into the ring with Muhammad Ali. It's... You know, even if the lawyer's not that great, um, or you think he's not that great, he's still got a lot more training than you. He knows a lot more than you. I mean, w would you operate on yourself? Probably not. Um, so if the other side has counsel, you need counsel too. And, you know, I, I've gone through this many times over the years. People are like, yeah, well, the other lawyer isn't any good. He still knows five tricks that will destroy your case that you will never know in a million years unless you've practiced law for a while. You don't learn them in law school. You don't learn them from Google. You don't learn them from watching Judge Judy. 
there are tricks in the trade that we know that the layman doesn't. And like I said, he probably knows five ways he can destroy your case without really lifting a finger. They're technicalities. They're in the law. They, they serve a purpose. I know especially people who aren't lawyers are always bitching and moaning about this technicality and that technicality. But if you break those technicalities down from a legal mind, then you would realize why they're there and why they're important. I remember when I was in law school learning about some of the pitfalls in the law with regards to deadlines and, you know, statutes of limitations and so forth, but particularly all the deadlines, especially in federal practice. There are so many deadlines, everything has to be a certain way, and I thought, well, that's just ridiculous. But as you get into practicing law, you realize that there are reasons for that, and you use them to the benefit of your clients. So, like I said, if there's a lawyer on the other side, and you're bound to determine to represent yourself, then unless he's really sleeping, um, you're probably going to lose. So that's that. That's one. Um, people bring in these extremely complex cases sometimes. I mean really complex that I would say no attorney with less than five or ten years practice under his belt has any business taking. And they want a smattering of advice so they can represent themselves. And my hard and fast rule has always been, I ain't going to teach you how to practice law. If you want to learn to be a lawyer, then you need to go to law school. And you got to have a college degree to go to law school. So without going into all the educational requirements, oh yeah, you got to pass the bar exam. If you find a lawyer who's willing to backseat drive a case like that, uh, first of all, if you're that lawyer, you're an idiot because your level of your level of responsibility and liability has just gone to the roof, and your your return on that is zero. So you have all the risk and none of the reward. And if you're a client and you manage to find somebody who is so hard up or so new that they're willing to do something like that, backseat drive your insanely complex case while you, quote, represent yourself, then uh, you're going to have a lot of problems because nobody who's any good is dumb enough to do something like that. And this, by the same token, I, uh, over the years, I've heard a whole bunch of times, well, my cousin's ex-husband was a paralegal. I think we can get through this. And I'm looking at the reams of paperwork and the stack of files and thinking there is no way you can get through this. I had some of the best paralegals, have some of the best paralegals, I think, around. And they're real good. They do a terrific job of being a paralegal. But they're not lawyers. And I've had some paralegals who took it upon themselves to think they were lawyers. One of them went to jail. And they're not lawyers. I guess he could be a jailhouse lawyer. So just because you know somebody who knows something doesn't mean that you know what you need to know or they know what they need to know. And that brings me to another thing. If your brother-in-law is a probate lawyer and you have a complex, high-asset, high-conflict divorce with children, multiple properties in a business, and I speak of 
which I know because that was and still is one of the things that I specialize in is the nastiest divorces between wealthy people with kids and you know they they drag on for years and it's not the lawyer's fault they drag on for years it's generally the clients but you hire your brother-in-law because he's got a law degree and well he must know how to do this he doesn't a guy that doesn't specialize in those cases and doesn't do those cases say he specializes in SEC regulation litigation which is something that would cause my mind to catch on fire I know nothing about it. I don't pretend to know anything about it. When I get calls from people who are trying to take their companies public, I refer them to a proper SEC lawyer. I don't try and take it on. And when you hire somebody who's way outside of their specialization because they feel bad and they're your buddy or they're in your family or whatever, you're you're going to do yourself a tremendous disservice because they don't know all the pitfalls to that particular area of the law. I mean, they may have a general concept, and I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't situations where they might do a decent job, but uh, I know one in particular where my very experienced family law self went up against a very, very experienced commercial litigation lawyer in a very nasty, high-asset, high-conflict divorce case with multiple businesses and millions of dollars at stake and kids and everything else. And I destroyed him in two hearings. They lost. They lost big and they lost hard. And, you know, he just, he, he was a fish out of water. If I'd have gone to court against him and his specialty, he probably would have, have, have destroyed me, but I wouldn't have because I didn't know anything about his specialty. For that reason, just because you can get an attorney, and I know we're all trying to save a buck, but it's penny wise and pound foolish, or as this hick friend of mine used to say, jumping over dollars to pick up dimes, to when you've got everything you own at stake, and I'm talking about family law cases in particular, divorces, everything you own and everything you love and care about meaning your kids, if you love and care about your kids. And some people don't. I've been in this business long enough to know. Some people couldn't give a shit about their children. They just use them as bargaining chips and divorces, and those kids come back years later, and I have to represent them in criminal court. This has happened. Uh, But you have your entire life up to that point on the line, and you want to cheap out on a lawyer, or you want to try and, and, you know, hornswoggle some family member into representing you who doesn't do that kind of law. It's a really bad choice. Uh, if you, or, or God forbid you want to represent yourself at one of the most complex divorce and custody cases I've ever seen in my life come in not very long ago, I'd say within the last year, asking me to teach them to represent themselves. And my first answer was no. My second answer was no. And they kept pressing me. And my third answer was, you know, here's some referrals on people that charge a lot less, but you absolutely need to get a lawyer for this. Now, I don't know whether they ever did or not, because I'm, you know, I don't even, what am I going to say? You know, I'm not going to call them up and ask them if they, if they got an attorney. I mean, I wish them the best, but you know, the, the situation is, is that, when your case is complicated, you need a lawyer. 
What are some cases where you may not need a lawyer and maybe you can do it yourself with the help of your paralegal cousin? Um, if you want a divorce, you don't have any kids, you don't have a house, you live in a rental, you got your car, they've got, she's got her car, she, he, whatever. And, you know, you don't have retirement accounts that big retirement accounts at stake and you guys can agree on everything. Can you go down to the law library and get the paperwork and fill it out and do it yourself? Well, probably you can. Um, But when you start throwing complexities into that, like you own a business together and Texas community property state. So if you started the business after you got married, odds are you own it together unless you had an attorney draw it up in such a way that you don't, or you have children, or you can't agree on anything. You, you start adding those complexities, and it becomes exponentially more difficult for you to get through that case by yourself. There's some other things I've seen people handle themselves successfully, really small criminal cases, like tickets, and when I say really small criminal cases, I'm not talking about DWIs, I'm not talking about, you know, even simple assaults, I'm talking about, you know, a speeding ticket, or, you know, rerun a red light, or something like that. Um, Where have I seen people get absolutely decimated, once again, family law cases, that they've tried to handle themselves that were way above and beyond their ability, And if you just can't afford, if you literally, absolutely, positively cannot afford a lawyer, there are services out there available, but they vet people extensively. So if you're just lying because you don't, you really just don't want to afford a lawyer, uh, they'll they'll see through that and you're not going to get one through there. If you can afford one, you should and have to get one. And by the same token, you guys who are accused of crimes and you make $125,000 a year and you go down there and lie about it so you can get a public defender, I got a story for you. It's the story of the guy who almost did eight years. And this guy was a a former client of mine. Um, actually, he was a friend of mine. And I, I, I knew his family, everything. We'd known each other for a long time. And he and his girlfriend got in a fight, not a fight, but an argument, a bad argument. And he stormed out. She locked him out of their apartment, their apartment. It's important, their apartment. Wouldn't let him back in. And he was a big guy, big, you know, to the gym twice a day, you know, and ate all of his Wheaties, did all of his steroids. He was a big dude. So he kicked the door in. And they talked it over, kind of made up, ended up having sex. And then they were kind of hungry, so they went to Denny's. And the next day, he went to work. He was a car salesman. He went to work selling expensive cars. And she reignited, got pissed off all over again, called the cops. They charged him with burglary of a habitation aggravated sexual assault, and kidnapping. And yes, they do overcharge people r- ridiculously. And, you know, that this is why you don't represent yourself in criminal cases, and this is why you don't get a public defender, okay? 
So those all rolled up together mean you spend your life in butt rape jail, prison, forever. You don't get out. If you do get out, it's in like 30 or 40 years. He refused, he didn't tell me about it. No one told me about it. I didn't know anything about it until his crack public defender came in and said, I got you a deal. They're going to give you eight to do. Now that's no good time, no parole. That's eight years day for day in butt rape prison. Now, at this point, one of his family members called me and said, I will hire you. And I'm like, I didn't even know he got in trouble. He's like, yeah, he didn't want you to know about it because he's too cheap and he doesn't want to spend any money on a lawyer, but they're trying to put him away for eight years. I went down there, looked at the case. I'm like, man, this is all BS. Uh, the burden of a habitation was for kicking in the door. The aggravated sexual assault was for the makeup sex. And the kidnapping was for the trip to Denny's. And I told him, I'm like, you know, we should be able to get all this dismissed, or at least most of it. Well, I'll make a, a long story a little bit shorter. By the time it was all over with, the kidnapping case was dismissed on the testimony of his girlfriend and on the potential testimony, which we never had to put forth, of the people at Denny's. The aggravated sexual assault, same thing. She finally fessed up to the fact that it was all consensual and it was just makeup sex and she was just mad when she called the police. And the burglary of a habitation didn't meet the parameters of burglary of a habitation because it was his habitation. So that was reduced to a criminal mischief uh, charge which was conditionally dismissible and the condition was that he paid the landlord to repair the door. So instead of doing eight years, he had to pay like 151 or 133 dollars, it's under 200 bucks, and he was out. And and then we went back, and because of the way the dismissals were done, we cleaned everything off of his record. So that's a situation where, for thousand dollars, I saved him eight years of butt rape prison. Okay. And that $1,000, multiple whatever thousands of dollars it was, was what he would make. Yeah, I got made like a buck and a quarter a year. So he could have covered my fee in a couple, three months easy versus eight years in the Texas Department of Corrections. It's what they called it back then. Now it's, it's TCJC. So I guess my point is, your public defender, a lot of times, some of them are good. Some of them are retired lawyers who've got a lot of experience in the criminal justice system, and they're just doing, you know, some public defender work uh, to stay busy in their retirement, but they're good, they know what they're doing, and they stay on top of their cases. A lot of them suck. Um, they're doing that because they couldn't get a job somewhere else. Uh, they really don't care. They just want to run everybody through. I'm not saying that his necessarily wasn't even any good. I don't even know who his public defender was. I don't even remember. Um, but, uh, you know, here's your deal. It's eight years to do based on a complete, just a load of BS of a case. I would have never put that in front of a client. I would have gone to trial. Uh, but anyway, we never had to go to trial. 
you know, we, we got rid of all of it. I had another case. A guy uh, had seven felonies stacked on him based on one traffic stop. And public defender, 20 years. But, you know, with good time, you'll be out in four or five. Got every single one of those cases dismissed. Every single one of them. Even the initiating traffic stop. And I'm not going to go into most of the suppress and whether or not the traffic stops was legal or not, but you know, it wasn't. And with, without trying to teach you how to practice law, which is not my job, everything went away. We only went to court twice. Public defender, tell him, got 20 years, you know, take it, it's a good deal. No, no, no. And yeah, that's where we come into... If these guys were real criminals, you know, guys who commit crime on a regular basis or it's their business or whatever, they would have known the public defender was screwing them. These are guys who have never been in trouble before who are terrified, and they don't know. I had a uh, had a, uh, a gal, similar issue, uh, looking at uh, staring down five years. And, and the, the state's case was, was utter nonsense. And that's one of the reasons why they overcharge these things, because they know their case is utter nonsense. But they also know if the person either doesn't get a lawyer at all and decides to represent themselves, or they get a crappy lawyer, or they get a crappy public defender. And like I said, they're not all crappy. Just most of them. They know that, you know, they're going to end up with uh, those cases going on their conviction record. And conviction records are how a lot of assistant district attorneys get promoted. So they have a vested interest in sticking you in jail. They do not necessarily have a vested interest in justice. I don't care what their little creed says. Uh, their vested interest is in convicting as many people as possible or getting as many people to take really shitty pleas as possible. So what are some other areas where I've seen people attempt to represent themselves with horrible consequences, uh, commercial litigation and just general bu business litigation. You know, I, I had a, a client, multi, multi, multi-million dollar company here in, in, well, pretty much all of Texas, at least all of the big towns. And he got sued over a supply issue. And he had a cousin-in-law who was an attorney, who wasn't any good, who didn't specialize in anything remotely resembling litigation, and it cost him his business. And then he had to hire me, and I brought in two appellate specialists to undo all of that, and it cost him several hundred thousand dollars and two and a half years of litigation, and we got everything undone and got him back on his feet. If he'd have brought in somebody who was halfway good to begin with, that case would have gone nowhere. As a matter of fact, the attorney on the other side, by the time it was all over with, ended up losing his law license over the crimes. He should have been charged and he should have been jailed, but over the crimes he committed during that case, uh, he stole documents from the court. He made things disappear in order to create more problems. I mean, he did every crooked thing. I've, I've never... 
Well, not say I've never. I've never seen an attorney do all of them at the same time. Uh, there used to be a guy floating around town who's long gone. Uh, I guess he went back to used cars. I don't know. But anyway, he was an attorney, and he would send you documents that he had changed after you'd agreed on them. Like he would, if his client was paying child support, he would reduce it. If his client was getting child support, he'd increase it. He'd mess with the numbers on the retirement. Just assuming that, you know, you're one of those lazy guys who didn't look at all that. Well, I had a paralegal that looked at it and an assistant that looked at it, and then I looked at it. So we always caught him, and after that, we didn't see him anymore, and I, I don't think anyone saw him after a couple of years. So there's a lot of shenanigans that go on. So I'm not only telling you that you should probably hire a lawyer, and I always tell people this, if you think you need to talk to a lawyer, you, you already should have talked to one. And, you know, it's your decision to make. Do you want to, you know, risk it all? Uh, some people go to Vegas and put all their money down on one-handed cards. And if you have a complex, big money case against you, say, a lawsuit, uh, a family law case, or they're trying to take away your very freedom, then if you don't get the best attorney you can possibly afford and find, you're, you're basically, you're walking into a casino and you're putting everything on one hand of cards. And you know what? The house always has the advantage. And with that, I'm going to close this one out. Have an evil day.